Hello, everybody. Welcome as we continue on in our study of the New Testament. This is part number 241. Uh, good job. For those of you online, quite a few of you have been here through almost all of it, and that's very cool. Um, we're, we're working through Revelation now. When we finish Revelation in 15 weeks or so, we'll start Genesis. And uh, we'll do the Old Testament over the next 15 years, a chapter at a time. And I'm looking forward to that. And then we'll start all over again in the New Testament. <laughs> and we'll just keep going until Jesus comes back. So um, that's the plan. Uh, so we're in Revelation now. Um, I think it's you know, I think it's been very helpful studying the New Testament the way we did in context so that now you can see um, the church uh, at this point in time has been up and running for 50 or 60 years. It has spread to big chunks of the known world. At that point in time, we've watched, uh, you know, how that took place and we've seen the movement. We've known that here in these, uh, at the time that Revelation was written, um, that the church is um, being persecuted, that um, it's having issues with false teachers and uh, all sorts of stuff is going on. The Apostle John has been exiled to um, an island in Patmos. And while he's there, he receives this revelation from the Lord. The book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I've, I've told you along the way to, that um, regardless of how sort of crazy some of these symbols will get, and we'll, we'll make attempts to try and figure out what they are, don't lose sight of what it's really about. This book is about Jesus and what it means and that he's, he's, he's coming back for us and he's going to set everything right and we look forward to that and, and so um, we read these events and they can be, you know, they're, they're amazing events and we're not always sure exactly what's going on but we're looking forward throughout all of this to the return of Jesus Christ which is sort of, you know, our hope I mean, it's, it's what happens we know he came once we know he's coming back and, and uh, we're in this in-between time and, and at the very end as far as we understand, things will change pretty dramatically. Um, and we'll talk a little, again, I'll sort of reintroduce the different sort of interpretations of Revelation, the main ones, as we hop into seven. Because we, uh, seven's an interesting place. We, we finished chapter, chapter six. The six of seven seals has been opened. We've watched a lot of wrath been poured out. And at the end of chapter 6, the people were, um, of the earth were hiding. They were trying to hide from God, and they were saying, who is able to survive? And then chapter 7 begins, and um, there's this glimmer of hope that's fascinating to me that, that happens through seven, chapter 7, because um, these four angels hold back the winds of judgment for a time until the seventh seal is opened, which will happen in the beginning of chapter 8. And so um, there's this little sort of pause in the action here um, 21 months in to this last seven year period this, this little tiny crack opens and it's, I think it's very fascinating also in this chapter in 7 we're going to encounter a group of people that no one could count from every nation tribe, people and language they're standing before God redeemed and these people the scripture says are they who have come out of the great tribulation and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb and, and to me even in the midst of this wrath um, God is remembered mercy and it's only the hardness of people's heart that will cause them to reject the love of God so remember that there is still opportunity even at this point for people to repent and change in history and and with ridiculous amounts of 
evidence of God moving into it, even them knowing that God had to be doing it, and they're still refusing to, um, to turn and to change. So, so we're dealing with that. So that's kind of the setup of Revelation 7. That's where we left it last week. 17 verses and uh, um, fascinating verses. Verse 1, After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the forehead of the servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. And from the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, Who are they, and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Fascinating passage of Scripture, chapter of Scripture. And uh, let's, uh, let's break it down a little. Uh, the first three, three verses, um, I think what you need to understand there is that being sealed is a symbolic way of, of saying that these people belong to God. And they'll be protected from the coming disasters on the earth. And this seal isn't to be confused with the mark of the evil one that we'll see later on in the book of Revelation in chapter 13, the mark of the beast. So there's in effect two marks that are going to take place um, in this last seven-year period, the ones that signify that you belong to God and the ones that um, signify that you belong to the enemy. Uh, And... um, the, the seal that causes you to belong to God is, is evident to the angels. I don't know if it's anything anybody else can see, but the angels can see. I think the mark of the beast is evident to everybody, and it's something that you apparently will willingly um, or at some level subject yourself to. I don't think it can be tricked on you. I don't think it can be... Uh, people get really upset about um, things that, that want to be implanted in you and everything else, and they all go, oh, no, you know, it's all going to be... Um, I, I think that there'll be an allegiance that you have to make directly to the evil one for that to take effect. But um, that's just sort of my thought on that. I, again, sometimes people get really panicky about what might happen. And I, I always want to say, um, 
because you know the lamb, you don't need to be panicked or concerned or afraid. You keep that straight and you're going to be okay in him. It's not that you, you, you won't deal with difficult things in life because that's just part of living in a broken world, but you're okay. And so you, you never need to be afraid the way people that don't know Jesus experience fear. Um, we don't need to be worried. We don't need to be anxious about anything the scripture says because we got Jesus. And, and so, you know, make sure you hang on to that whole process when you read this stuff. There, there's not, and, and again, even depending on how you view Revelation and this last seven-year period that we're talking about, um, I've told you I sort of hold to the view, a futurist viewpoint, and I believe in that because of my... We talked about this, the, the, the way the seven feasts of Israel run, and my understanding of that is that for this last seven years, the church is spared this period of time. However, um, you know, I, 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 I'm not saying it's absolutely so because I've studied the, the, the ideas of it being halfway through or at the very end, and regardless, um, if you got Jesus, you're, you're going to be okay. That's, that's the whole deal, and you have to settle in that. No matter what happens, if you've got Jesus, you're going to be all right. And, and there's, there's a measure of peace that comes from that, and holding on to that in the midst of anything that goes around, uh, you know, around us. So I like to have that sort of in play. Now, verses 4 through 18, is, is, uh, we're just going to take this whole big chunk and talk about it because it sort of all ties together. And I think there's two big questions that, that, I, that always strike me that I'm trying to attempt to answer today at some level. Who are the 144,000, and who is this great multitude of people? And so, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. And, and the answer really depends on which interpretation of the book you, you are uh, of Revelation that you sort of lean toward. Remember, there's four main ones um, in the book. There's the preterist which sees that, that it believes that all the events in Revelation have already occurred by the end of the first century. So there's people that believe that everything that you read already happened and it was all fulfilled in the Roman Empire and in the time of that first church, and that's that. There's the historicist view, which um, sees Revelation as a survey of church history from the apostolic times to the present. So that, that and we looked at that in the churches. They believe in, in those chapters two and three that um, the, the letters written to the churches were really a, a dispensation sort of of this church, you know, had this period of time, and we're in the last one now, that Laodicean church, the lukewarm church, and that's what's taking place. Some people view Revelation that way. There's the idealist viewpoint, which just sees Revelation as a sort of a story of good and evil, and a depiction of that story, and that's all that it means. It doesn't have any, you know, they don't think it really has any sort of uh, literal thing. It's all just sort of a, a big sort of dreamy picture and doesn't really mean anything other than the story of good and evil. And then there's a futurist viewpoint which sees Revelation as a prophecy of things to come. I've told you I lean towards that one. I believe that the book of Revelation hasn't happened yet. That, that the events, other than chapter 1 obviously has already happened, and the letters written to the churches, but from chapter 4 on we're waiting for these things to take place, okay? And, and so we're in that process, and that's what's going on. So as I talk to you, uh, you know, understand that's my leaning, but you don't have to agree with that, just, that's just so you know I'm coming from that angle. And, and to say to you that some of these other inter- are okay. Um, you know, and the church has held to them for years and years, and, and it doesn't mean that they're invalid. Just um, we would take it a little differently. I don't believe your salvation hangs on your interpretation of Revelation or else I would probably get a lot more intense with it. 
<laughs> your salvation just is about you and Jesus, all right? You got that. So I'm very intense about that. You need to, you need to have that down. The rest of this stuff, prophetic stuff, we look at and, and we, we want to see what we can learn about, you know, our walk with Jesus in it. But, but other than that, I'm okay with a lot of different sort of viewpoints about how you look at that. Um, so with the exception of the futurist approach is what we'll talk about, all three of the other interpretations believe that that 144,000 is symbolic. Um, it's, a representative, it's a representative number of the, the, the completed church. And they come up with that, that is 12,000. It's, it's uh, hang on, it's, it's uh, 12 times 12 times 1,000. And, and that's how they get that number of 144,000. And there's, they're numbers of complete completion. And so that it's just a symbolic number that just represents the church that will um, have you know, happened throughout that time. And, and, uh, and so it's a complete number of the church. Um, and, and, um, and yet, with a futurist viewpoint, I don't believe that. So when I read it, I read it as a, an actual sort of thing that will happen prophetically. And it, it says, Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. And so to me, there's nothing in the New Testament that would lead that from being other than anything but that, that it's, this is referring to uh, 144,000 from the tribes of Israel. Uh, it's a literal number of Jewish people. 12,000 from every tribe, the sons of Israel is what it's called, the people of Israel. And, and so I believe, in effect, that's exactly what takes place. And that this group, this 144,000 of the sons of Israel, these the Jewish people are sealed which means they have special protection of God from all of the divine judgments from the Antichrist to perform the mission they have during this tribulation period. And, that, um, and, and again, that this period is a future seven-year period of time in, in which God enacts divine judgments against those who reject him and um, completes the plan of salvation for the nation of Israel. So I believe since the church has already popped out now, now there's what's left which is unbelievers of all nations, tribes, tongues. There's still a group left because there's only so many people that are in right now, right? You, you guys, not everybody's in because they have chosen not to be in. So some have rejected the opportunity that we have right now. Now, this all ties back to the book of Daniel and something that happens in the book of Daniel, chapter 9, which we were just studying in our Old Testament study, which is very happy on, at the Bible Institute on Sunday nights. So um, you can write this down, and I'll read it to you. You're going to look at it later. Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Prophetically, Daniel says in verse 24 that 70 sevens, so that's the number 70 and then sevens, are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. So there's 70 periods of seven, which is 70 periods of seven years. Okay. No one understand this, Daniel says. From the issue of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, that's Jesus, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. So there's seven sevens and then 62 sevens. That's 69 of the 70 sevens. All right. I know that says, and, and, uh, it will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come 
will destroy the city and the sanctuary. So the anointed one that's cut off, that's Jesus. That's his first coming. That's the crucifixion. And actually, there's some pretty intense math calculations of days and years and times that, that would take those numbers and actually make them to the time we believe when, when Jesus was crucified to the day. But, but you can take that for what it's worth. But that's the, the end of 69 of them. Then there's this period in between the 69 periods of seven and the last period of seven. And this ruler that is introduced in this last period of seven years is the Antichrist. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he'll put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on a wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. So Daniel, back in the book of Daniel, we have this idea of this last seven-year period that we're reading about now in Revelation uh, of what's taking place and that um, these things are all sort of being worked together. And so these 144,000 are from the tribes of Israel and um, they're, they're sort of a first fruits. In Revelation 14.4, you can write that down. We'll look at it in a few weeks together. These are those who did not defile themselves. They're talking about the same group with women, for they kept themselves pure. They follow the lamb wherever he goes. They were purchased from among men and offered his first fruits to God and the lamb. So these 144,000, and that's, they're being referred to as um, spiritual virgins. They're um, not necessarily physical ones. And um, they... Um, they're, they're redeemed Israel, if you would. And this comes out of Zechariah 12.10. Write this down too. It's fascinating. Zechariah 12.10. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. And they will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one who uh, mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. So um, in this period of time, the, the tribulation starts, the seven-year period. The church has been taken out, which will grab people's attention at some level. However they deal with that, I, I don't know. If that is, in fact, that's how it goes. Suddenly, there's um, um, a remnant from all the tribes of Israel who are sealed by God to 144,000, and they're going to be protected from what's coming up so that they can um, move into the ministry that's been given to them. And this is the mission that, that the church has because the people of Israel dropped the ball. So when they rejected Jesus, see, they were given the mission and ministry of letting all the world know about God, and they, they didn't do very well. Um, and we've been studying that. This is a big study in the Old Testament. Let's just leave it at that. They didn't do very well. And, and so um, when Jesus came, he, he still extended them an opportunity to pick that mission back up, and they rejected him. And so it's been in the church's hands for the last 2,000 years. When Jesus comes, uh, well, when, when this seven-year period starts, he, Jesus officially comes back at the end, but he takes the church out. It, we're no longer responsible, the church, for that ministry. It's going to go back to the people of the these people of Israel who who all of a sudden have get that they missed it with Jesus they mourn for those who they pierced the one they pierced and they're going to come in and know Jesus and then be they'll take up the mission then of letting what's left of the world know about God and the way back to him so that will be their ministry and mission and they'll they'll they're going to be very successful at it Paul talks about this in Romans 11:25 through 27 
I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So um, this picture of all Israel being saved doesn't mean everybody that's ever been um, Jewish is in automatically. All those who repent and get what happened and understand that prophecy is Zechariah and repent and come in, in, in receive what Jesus has done for them, they'll be saved and they'll be restored into this mission and ministry that they were given back in the beginning. And, and so this mission seems to be evangelizing the post-rapture world to proclaim the gospel during this seven-year period. And I believe it's a result of their ministry that this great multitude that no one can count comes from that we read about. Um, they'll go around under the anointing and unction of God, and they'll preach the gospel, and many, many people will um, repent and turn to Jesus in this, in this seven-year tribulation time. Some will still choose not to, but many people will come. Some people will choose to follow the Antichrist and all that he does, but many people will come to follow Jesus as a result of what these guys do, these people do. Now, a lot of the confusion about the 144,000 is because of the um, Jehovah's Witnesses who sort of grabbed onto this teaching back in the 1800s. Most of you know that. It's one of their big teachings. And, and uh, what, they, what their claim is is that the 144,000 is a limit uh, to the number of people that will reign with Christ in heaven and spend eternity with God. So it's limited to, they believe, to 144,000, um, which was probably really good in the beginning of the JWs because there was room for 144,000, but once it expanded past that, then it became an issue. So they came up with another thought that if you're not in that first group of 144,000, um, the next group um, has an eternal reign on earth, uh, and it's going to be very cool, and it'll be like a paradise, but it'll be ruled by Christ in that first 144,000. Um, unfortunately, that sets things up in sort of a caste system, if you would, of better people than other people, and it's, there's no biblical basis for it. Um, we're all equal in Christ, and so we're all in, um, and that, 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 that's not what it's talking about in the process. And so there's no sort of dual class taught in the Bible anywhere. And, and uh, in, in Revelation 20, when we get to there, you'll see during the millennium, which we'll have to talk about in the future, this... There's a thousand-year chunk of time that gets worked into this process. Um, there, there'll be, uh, and that's after Jesus comes back, there'll be people ruling with Jesus, but it'll be consisting of all believers and everybody that's come in um, um, in the rapture, anybody throughout history, and all the people that come in during the tribulation period um, will be ruling with Christ during this millennial um, phase. And, um, and that millennial phase isn't the eternal state. It's, it's a step in the process. So, all that's happening, and um, we'll, we'll, uh, Revelation 21, you'll see we're, it all gets worked out at the end, and we'll be with him forever. So, um, all that's fairly interesting stuff. Go and look at those scriptures. You'll see they'll tie together. Also, it's worth noting that the 12 tribes that are listed um, in what we just read, the 12,000 received, are different than the list in the Old Testament, and you may want to go back into Genesis and look at that list, like in Genesis 49. Um, but there's some things changed. Like um, Judah, that's always been one of the smallest tribes, is listed first in this list, and it's not that way anywhere else, most likely because both King David and Jesus come from the tribe of Judah. So there's a significance to that tribe, even though it's the smallest. That's a, that's a pretty good couple of guys uh, to, come, <laughs> to come out of your tribe. Let's make that first. Bloop. 
Um, then, fascinatingly, Levi is added to the list of tribes. Levi was not given tribal uh, status in the Old Testament because of what they did. They didn't get a portion. And so now they do, perhaps as a, as a reward for their service in the temple all those years. I'm not sure why, but all of a sudden, Levi is in the list of tribes. And um, Dan is dropped from the list. And... Um, we're not sure why Dan is dropped. There's a lot of speculation about that. A lot of people think that Dan sort of led the tribes. It was the worst of the tribes as far as idolatry goes. It's where um, the, um, the calf was set up. That, you know, in Dan and Bethel was one of the two places. And apparently when you read about them, they were, they were sort of the leaders in, in moving Israel away from true worship. But, but I'm not sure because all of, all of them went. So to single out Dan may, may or may not seem right. But they are not in the list. They're in the Old Testament tribes. They don't make this list in the New Testament. There's other sort of explanations of that, that that, that group actually merged in with one of the other tribes and was hard to distinguish. I'm not sure, but it's worth looking at. And also, um, in the Old Testament list, there, um, Joseph has two, two sons, uh, Ephraim and Manasseh, and they're, they're Manasseh. They're both tribes in the Old Testament, not Joseph, but for some reason in this listing, it's, uh, it's Joseph and Manasseh. Uh, and that might be because Ephraim's rebellion, um, again, we're not sure. But there's a slight changing in the listing of the tribes, which may mean nothing, but I just think that stuff's interesting. So I wanted to point that out. And also verse 10 is a, is a great reminder that salvation cannot be earned, even as we read this, that salvation comes from God and the Lamb, and that um, people are still getting that even during this seven-year period. So remember, this tribulation... Jesus hasn't come back for the second time yet. We've been, the church, I believe, has been caught up to him, but that's not his second coming because Revelation 19 is the second coming when he comes on a white horse. Um, in this period of time, even in this great tribulation time, people and many people, great multitudes apparently will come to Christ in the process. So even as wrath is being poured out, God's mercy is being displayed as it has been um, from the time of Jesus so that's what's happening in, in Revelation 7 and when we get back next week that seventh seal gets opened and things shake loose again uh, and it's pretty interesting but that's good if you're watching on video thanks for watching I appreciate it uh, if you uh, if you need anything let us know go to the prayer page and send a prayer request and we'll be praying for you but that's going to be it for today